Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Lauren Parrish is a wife, mother, business professional, and yoga lover. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at 38 with no family history. So needless to say, Lauren was surprised by her diagnosis. It's been really tough on her family, but it has brought them closer and gratitude has been their motto. And at the time of this recording, Lauren's diagnosis was approximately seven months ago. So she is still in it. And Lauren, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and and having this podcast. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, You said at the time of your diagnosis, you were 38. Just before I hit record, you just turned 39. So you're young. Yeah. Family history. So how did you even find out that you had breast cancer? Obviously I do yoga and, you know, you're in different positions and I had kind of felt a little bit of a lump, but it more or less felt like, I don't know, just maybe a swollen side. I don't know. And then my daughter bumped into me one night and it didn't move. (laughs) It was more of a firm, I would say a rope-like part. If you have children and you've ever breastfed, it has a thick feel to it, almost like a swollen milk duct. And so I thought, yeah, that's, that's definitely not normal. And I'm a big proponent of women, you know, going to the doctor, getting themselves checked out, really advocating for themselves because as moms, as wives, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner and we're like, oh, well, I'll just go in June at my normal checkup time. This was only in maybe April. So I thought, no, this needs to be seen. And then it kind of led me to my path. And I even mentioned it to my mom and my sister, like, yeah, I'm going to have to have a mammogram after I went to see my doctor. And a lot of people were talking about with the COVID shot, you were getting like swollen lymph nodes or swollen glands in your breast. And people didn't think, you know, it could give them a false negative or a false positive either way. What did they see at your mammogram? So because I've never had a mammogram, I just thought this was normal. So I go in, they do one mammogram and then they said, okay, well, we might have you do another one. And they did, they had a second one. And then of course we went into a second room where we had the sonogram. And then after the sonogram, the lady is doing the sonography and she's like, I'm really sorry. Cause she keeps having to go over this bump and bump and bump and bump. And it just felt like a bump in the road. And I kind of knew then it wasn't normal to have all of this happening. And then they had a doctor on, I guess, speed dial. They just call them up and have them on speaker. And then that doctor says, Hey, we want you to come in to do a biopsy. And that's kind of my first ever dive into getting a mammogram. Wow. I just got chills and I know it's, it's not normal. I had my yeah. annual mammogram <laughs> two days ago and you know, you're in mash, 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 pain, 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 grout. <laughs> so that's yes. usually the, the way it goes. What was the time between 
that mammogram and the biopsy. And then after the biopsy, what happened? It's pretty quick. I had, I think I had my mammogram on a Wednesday and by the next Friday I had my biopsy. And that's when the doctor, she said, I'm going to be honest. I don't like what I see. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they're supposed to say that, you know, I was very inquisitive and I watched the whole process and it was very interesting to me as to what they were doing and what it looked like. Then, yeah, she said, no, this is, this is not ideal. So I already in my mind knew something when I got the actual call, whereas my husband was shocked. So you had not discussed it with him. Oh, yes. Yes. He knew the whole time, but he was probably more in denial and didn't think it was a big deal or that it would just be fine. So then once I finally got the call saying, yes, you have breast cancer, he's like, well, isn't there another test you can do? You know, are you sure? Is it yours? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was more at peace with it just because I think I had a little bit more time to digest it because of that uh, original biopsy. My goodness. And what did they recommend as far as your treatment? I got in touch with a I guess a care specialist at the hospital as soon as they found it was positive. And she kind of guided me in my direction as far as who my doctor was going to be. You know, I had options. She gave me a whole list and she started spouting off these names. And I said, you know what, get me in with the first person who can see me. And that's not usually the best, but I didn't care. I just wanted to see someone as soon as possible. And I ended up lucking out and finding like one of the best doctors and Everyone in the Dallas area that I've spoken to whose mom or somebody has had breast cancer, they're like, oh, you have her? Oh, she's the best. I'm like, yes. Once I went in, she's like, you know, you're young. This is what it's presenting as because, of course, at the time you just had a biopsy. We'll do the double mastectomy if that's your choice. She suggested a, a full because I'm small and how much they would have to take out would be very like disfiguring. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you can really kind of like fix with plastic surgery. So July 20th was my surgery date. And at that time we didn't think I would have to do chemo or radiation, possibly radiation, just depending on what they thought if they wanted to really just be double sure. But all along in my head, I thought, oh yeah, I'm lucky. We caught this early. I don't have to do chemo, you know, and I almost didn't want the sympathy or the pity of like, oh, you have breast cancer. I was like, but I'm a lucky one. I didn't, I don't have to do all like what everybody else has to do. You know, I don't have to do the hard part. So, so tell us about that changing. So tell us a little bit about that. You you're done with your surgery. It was probably a week after, or maybe a week and a half. So you had the surgery and I'm sure they sent off the tissue, right? Yep. Yep. Anthology. I see the ding come up on my report on my phone. And within, I think, or maybe I saw the call first and then I got the the ding on my report and it was my doctor calling me because she didn't want me to read it because she knows I would read everything as soon as it came across the file. And she's like, Hey, unfortunately, you know, when we did surgery, the original three lymph nodes were all negative, but the way she described it to me was it's almost like getting like a rapid test, a rapid COVID test, for example, where it may say that it's negative, but if you send it off to pathology, 
it can come back positive. And that's unfortunately one of my nodes came back positive, but it was only a micro metastasis, I guess. But then that kind of sent me on that quick trajectory to chemo. And then they presented my tumor to the board, which was mm-hmm. really cool. I think that's neat that they do that. And then that's when they said, yes, we want you to do radiation too. So that was a big pill to swallow thinking like you're done, you're recovering, you know, you're kind of on to the next, and then you got a little wrench in your plans. Tell us about sort of which came first. And I always find this so interesting because some women say chemo was a breeze. Radiation was horrible. And other people say radiation wasn't, you know, wasn't fantastic, but it was fine. Chemo was horrible. So I'm kind of curious where you are in that process and how was it for you? And then how was it for your family? I would say chemo hasn't been bad. And I don't love saying that because again, like you said, some people have a really, really hard time and I feel very lucky. There's even been days that my husband's like, are you sure you don't have a placebo or something? Cause you just don't seem like you even had it. There's days I'll have chemo and then we go to dinner and we're go shopping. We're doing things. And I'm like, Oh, I forgot. I actually had chemo today. It's been really nice. This last part of, part of it, the first four was the red devil. And that was the mm-hmm. real tough stuff. I won't say that one was super easy, but it wasn't as, I guess, as bad as I expected it to be. I don't start radiation until March. I get a little bit of a break. We get, we're going to get to go on a vacation. So my doctor said, yes, go on your vacation, take a little longer of a break, and then you can come back and start radiation. I am very fair skinned. So I'm a little nervous about that because they said that, you know, you can tend to burn, but I will say the worst of all, and I didn't expect this was the recovery from my surgery. I've never had surgery, never broken a bone. I cannot explain the pain that I was in. I, it was um, incredible and unbearable. And so I, I don't know. I feel like compared to that chemo was easy. Wow. So interesting. I don't know if anyone's ever told me that before. It's a, it's a very serious surgery. Um, it's an invasive surgery. So that was definitely uh, a little bit more of a struggle for me because I don't think I realized that it was going to be as intense. I mean, I watched plenty of videos. <laughs> I watched like, <laughs> no, I, I you did have, not. I watched the cartoon version. Okay. So you can go <laughs> online and watch like a cartoon cutting, like where they do the whole thing. Cause it's, a, it's crazy. I said, look, if, if you didn't put these spacers in you're concave, like you, they oh, take yeah, everything yeah. out, like they, everything. Yes. Everything. People are like, Oh, it's a free boot job. Mm, no, oh. you wouldn't want this. If I gave this to you for free. You have kids, correct? Yes. I have a 19 year old now. He just turned 19 and an 11 year old. And then I have two bonus kids. My husband had two before we met. And how old are they? They are 24 and just turned 18. So we have a nice mix. Nice blended family. I love it. How are they handling it? Especially your youngest. Think pretty well, but funny is the youngest was mad that I didn't tell sooner because she loves to brag that that she found it, and I that's our story is that she was the one who really did find it, and it took me, I don't know, maybe a few weeks to finally tell her, maybe just because we were trying to find out what was actually going to happen. You know, we didn't sure. know, you know, after the biopsy, after really getting diagnosed, we hadn't really 
we didn't have a date set, you know, what the outcome was. So we did take a little while to tell her and she was like, well, and then of course, afterwards, she's like, well, when did you really know? Oh, so you didn't tell me. And I'm like, wow, she's been wonderful. She's been my little nurse. Whenever I was recovering, she would bring me my drink. She would make sure that I was taking my medicine on time. It was, you know, so you just never know what to expect from them. And she has just grown up and shown up for sure. Oh, oh, that's so beautiful to hear. Mm -hmm. Did they do any genetic testing on you? Yes. Yep. And and nothing came back. And of course that starts the conversation with your mom and your aunt and your grandma. And I'm like, are you sure there was nobody in our lineage? Um, My grandmother remembers her grandmother not having any breasts. And if you think about like, she's 88, my grandmother is her grandmother that had to have been like the early 1900s. What kind of oh, even before that? Yeah. 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 But I'm saying like when she would have seen yeah. her at that time. So that's been fascinating to me to think that maybe there's somehow something connected because that had to be a pretty drastic surgery for her at that time to just be flat chested. What about is, um, is it her to positive negative? It was anything oh, like yes. that. I know that I'm estrogen progesterone positive. I think it's her too negative. I, I started like forgetting those things just because it was one of those, like, I didn't want to define it or label it. It just your long menu of what you are and exactly. <laughs> I just kind of like was over it. <laughs> what about your husband? You mentioned him before. How is yes. he doing? I think he's been good. He said, I'm just waiting for you. He said, I'm following your lead. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, I don't want to freak out unless, you know, you freak out. So (laughs) he just kind of was like, always like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, good. Are you sure? Because I think he was internally freaking out more and was wondering why I wasn't. But no, as the time has gone by and things have been, easy here or not easy there or whatever it is, you know, we've definitely become closer. We watched Seinfeld and we watched a funny episode recently and I'm going to have to go see a proctologist. So there is a certain episode that they talked about that. And he's like, Lauren, I do not want to know about all of that. I'm like, you know what? We're (laughs) married. Like (laughs) I've got, we've got problems here. I need to get things checked. So you definitely get real close. You learn things about each other and what I'm, you know, going through. Cause People don't really think of it. They think about chemo as like people throwing up. Oh, they're sick from throwing up. And that's really what they see almost like that's what they see in the movies. But I don't think they realize the day-to-day little tiny things that you're affected by having the chemo. I don't know. Like you're just very dry. Like my nose constantly bleeds and you have tummy problems or you taste as weird. And I don't know. There's just a whole host of things that I kind of forget about and it becomes like my normal. So when people are like, Oh, are you doing okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know? But then I think that they think that I'm like masking or hiding it. I'm like, no, I'm really not. Like, I I mean, I, it could be worse. Where does that come from? Where, where does that, it's not any sort of toxic positivity whatsoever. It's just, you seem very calm. 
very realistic. I don't feel like you're in denial or anything, but you seem very even keel. And and I can see how that must really help everyone around you. But where does that come from? Because that was there before cancer. I don't know. I I would say sometimes I'm a sappy, positive person and it can (laughs) bug like my coworkers and stuff, but (laughs) my husband's like quite the opposite of me. I'm a Gemini and he's a Taurus and he's like this grumpy old man. And I'm just this like pop poppy, happy, you know, troll or something. I don't know. And you know, I don't know. I just, I don't, I just have always kind of felt that way. I've always been that way. So whenever this came my way, I was like, all right, here we go. You're giving your family real blessing as someone who has been a caregiver. That's that really helps them because when you're on the outside and you're not the patient, all you want to do is fix it. All you want to do is make it better. Yeah. I never really, I guess I never really thought about it like that, that it could be a little peaceful for them to know that, you know, I'm, I'm at peace with this and this is kind of my journey and it really could be worse. I've been really, really lucky and blessed like throughout the whole process. And even in the beginning thinking I was just going to have surgery and then turning into more, you could easily go down a really dark path. You know, you could easily go to that negative place and just think, oh, why me? Everything's terrible, doom and gloom. But to heal, like to really heal internally, you have to just think positively because I really feel like that it's very connected. Yeah, you radiate it. I don't know if you know that. You do. Yeah, (laughs) you do. You just radiate this, this beauty and serenity. Have you had a worst moment in any of this? I know you're still in it, but have you had one? There was definitely, I think a few days where I just think I, I finally told my husband, I was like, I can't stop crying all day long. It finally, it finally just really hit me deep in my soul and I needed to get that out and it felt amazing. And I think the first day of chemo, I had a really, really tough time. My first day I got like vertigo, which I didn't know it was like thing that I just thought it was normal to feel nauseous, like dizzy or vertigo is on another level. (laughs) Yeah. For like 24, for like 12 hours straight. So I just thought that was what to expect. Right. Cause again, everybody talks about that. It's so terrible. So thankfully my doctor is amazing. And every time I would tell her any little tiny detail of what I was experiencing. She's like, Oh no, you should not. No, no, no. You know? So she was on top of it and just ready to correct any little tiny thing. And she could just tweak it just like that. So I think that's also nice to know you have such an awesome care team behind you, really listening and being an advocate for you as well. Well, and good for you for speaking up. You know, even though you thought it might be typical, you still said something, you know, yes. good, good for you. I, um, I think that's part of this process. You really have to be very, you have to say every teeny tiny thing. You're like, well, I don't know if this matters, but this happened. And they're like, oh, nope, that should not, that's not normal. I'm like, okay, cool. What about your best moment? I would say. Recently, um, my mom and my stepdad live in a community, like a retirement community. I call it their old folks community. I just like to make fun of them. They wanted to do a, they have this awesome group that they work with and the women love to partner and do charity functions. So they pulled together a pink fundraiser to 
raise money for the specific charity that helped me whenever I was recovering from my surgery. And they were able to raise like $9,000 for this little tiny nonprofit that supports local, our local community. And so that was really awesome to know that I'm able to be as open and talk to people and get my friends. Like I've had so many friends now tell me, okay, I went and got a mammogram or I went and at least talked to my doctor about it because we're right at that threshold of we really need to be checking ourselves, but we also don't know exactly what to look for. I would definitely say the two things, being able to just openly talk to people about it. I walk around bald. I do not wear a wig. I don't care to, I, they're itchy. They're annoying. I just, <laughs> I honestly feel really beautiful and confident. Well, for, for the people who are listening and can't you remind me of my sister, you have a beautifully shaped head. So you're, you're get, rocking it. And I it, get people telling me that all the time. I'm yeah. Crazy. And it's I, funny. I'm in the hair industry. So I sell hair color to hairstylists and yet I have no hair right now. <laughs> okay. That's well, there's, there's ironing funny. right there. That's mm-hmm. the definition. Of irony. Yep. But you do, you have a beautifully shaped head and I'm sure people have asked you if you've just shaved your head because you no, no, I mean, asked you that yet. No, my neighbor said he joked that I look like the friend that shaved my head in solidarity for someone who had to lose their hair to chemo. And I was like, okay, that's nice. It's not the nicest compliment, but it's, it's funny because <laughs> he goes, you just don't look like you're going through. You don't look sick. Chemo. Yeah. You don't yeah. look sick. And I was like, okay, I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) But yeah, I would definitely say those are are my proudest moments so far is just finding a new platform and a new voice to be able to advocate for women and not just breast cancer, but just, you know, for women in general with putting ourselves first. Wow. Well, please be sure. What's the name of the organization? It's called the healing chair and they have it in about like four or five States. And all they do is super simple. These women had gotten together with this brown leather recliner at one point, and they had all passed it around to someone who was covering from um, a mastectomy. And then it, they just thought, well, we need to be able to share this with more women. And so they invested in those really nice leather recliners that like lift you up and out because that is definitely something that's hard to do is get up out of things. When you had such a major surgery, they just leave it at your house for like two months. No questions asked. They bring you the pillows to put under your arm and a little journal to write so that the person after can maybe read some of your other inspirational stories. And it's just as simple as that. It's just a healing chair so that you can sleep at night and it lays down. And, Oh, it's just, it was such an, it was the tiniest thing, but just made such a difference in my recovery. Oh, wow. Well, we have to be sure to put a link to that. I could, I could see how that would help so much. Yeah. Um, And then what's nice is they retire them for someone maybe who's had a stroke or who is someone who's terminal and really needs it long-term. And it's nice that, you know, they know that it's going to that community as well. It's not just, uh, just in the breast cancer side of things. So Oh yeah. A lot of people could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. All right, Lauren, what is one thing you wish you had known from the very beginning back in May? I would say to not join every single breast cancer group. Those groups can be positive, but they can also be very, very sad and negative at the same time. Just give yourself some 
time to process it on your own without diving too deep because it can be scary. I think that's very sound advice because so many of us just want to know and, mm-hmm. and want answers and, but you don't know, you know, what type of forum or community you're actually stepping into. My sister is an ER nurse and she was the first person I called. And when I told her, she said, well, what kind? And when I told her, she immediately started to kind of cry. And this is a sister who is not a crier. And so then that freaked me out. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I mean, it was just her first reaction because I think when you first get that, you know, invasive ductal carcinoma, you know, whatever it is, that is a scary one, but there's all kinds of different little layers that go into that. And I like to give her her a hard time about that. So I had to put that in there because she she feels terrible because she freaked me out so bad because then I think that's when I went in there and started Googling immediately. Cause at first I was like, Oh, it's fine. Got it early until your your sister cries. I think that's true for even the doctors, right? When the doctor won't look you in the eye for me, it was when the ER doctor would not say my sister's name and and wouldn't look at her. I mean, I knew. All right. So I can't wait to hear the answer to this question. It's, it's one of my favorite to ask. If you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U S what would it be? And why? That is so hard because I have so many opinions. Um, <laughs> I would say paid time off, paid time off for w- when people are going through their treatment, it's hard enough to try to work and pay for the treatments, let alone recover, you know, we just got to do a better job with that long-term care for people who are really struggling. That's excellent. I don't hear too many people bring that up and that's, that's really important. And you mentioned you're back at work now, correct? Yes. I'm back at work. I got a nice long time off too, because I think that part of the recovery and the healing process is mental as well. And I don't think people think about the mental health aspect of it. It's a lot for you to go through and to just be like, okay, it's over. And now I'm back to being normal because we kind of become like this cancer patient for a time. And that's all people see us as. And then, then you're just done with it. And then you have like a different identity. And I really think that it's important to have that time, but yeah, I'm back to work. And honestly, it's nice because it's a nice distraction from going to treatments or going to doctors and, you know, always having to talk about that. (laughs) I get to talk about hair color and shampoo and hopefully looking forward to traveling and hair shows and things like that in the future. So it's been good. I have a great company that I work for that. I actually, I think the reason I'm so passionate for other people to have time off is that I did get that time off and Mm -hmm. I was able to really take my time to heal. I like, I like that. I'm glad you brought up the mental health mm-hmm. because that is definitely at the top. I think of most people's list is not knowing, not realizing, and then just not having that support in place. Well, and I think for, for a lot of people is wrapping your head around the fact that like, if, the way I look at it is I'm, yes, I've had it once. I'm more likely to get it again sooner than anybody else, because we already have things going on in our body. So I feel like that's a little bit of a mind game too, kind of that it's going to happen. Like it's inevitable in my mind. And when I'm talking to the nurses, they're like, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, you're more likely to get it. And so I think that 
kind of weighs on you a little bit when you have children mm-hmm. and you really need to be able to work through that and just kind of not always think about those things, you know, again, going to those negative places. All right. Are you ready for the Thriver Rapid Fire? Yes. 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 All right. Here we go. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beatles. My daughter is named Abby Love. My dog is Penny Lane. And if you could see my living room, we have all kinds of Beatles paraphernalia. So, oh my goodness. Love it. I love it. What is one word that best describes you? I guess happy. Yeah. And before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? The Beatles, obviously, but (laughs) I I can't think of, I'm terrible with names of songs. I don't know. Something nice and peaceful by the Beatles. Yeah. (laughs) And what about the last meal you want to eat? That's so hard. I love food. And the one comfort that's been my comfort food this whole time has been like soup and mashed potatoes, but I don't think that'd be the last thing I want to (laughs) eat. This is a weird combination. I would say Thai food. Definitely. And the last person or people you want to see. I would love for my family to be around, but I know that's also kind of sad too for them. I wonder how that affects them. Do you want to be like a dog and like hide and not allow your family to see you when you pass or do you see them first and then go off? I don't know. It's an interesting question, but they definitely would want to be my last. I want to see them last, but I don't want them to see me like that. Maybe you should ask perhaps not the kids, but your husband. Yeah. I always tell people have that conversation long before you need to worry about it. Have that conversation. Oh yeah. My, my neighbor and I, we love to have weird, morbid conversations, but I think it's something that you don't think about, but you have to think about. And what about the last words you'll speak? I love you. And aside from cancer, you, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers, and also let people know how they can get in touch with you. So the other one that I love is the National Breast Cancer Foundation because they give free mammograms, free preventative care, and then help women. I work with so many hairstylists. They don't have the best insurance unless they're on their spouses. And I think women in general don't necessarily, we don't take care of ourselves like we should. So I love that one. I don't know about just for cancer patients, but my sister has a nonprofit and I've been leaning towards talking about doing a woman's only, just a woman's cancer, all encompassing, like whatever you need. Because I, again, that one thing that I think that helped me the most was like, I had someone just come clean my house. I had someone, you know, I had food delivered, you know, because my, my husband or my family didn't have to worry about cooking me my picky food or whatever it was. So monetarily, I wouldn't, I want to start something, but I don't know exactly yet, but yeah, stay tuned. And in order to get in touch with me, um, I'm on all things social. You can find me Lauren Parrish on Facebook. I love posting on Instagram. My Instagram is miss MRS underscore Lala underscore P miss Lala P. I do have a TikTok. She will not perish. So I've posted some fun bulb videos and kind of my journey now. Yeah. Is all that in your link tree that you provided? It should be. Yes. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we will make sure 
those resources, including the healing chair and how to get in touch with you are um, in the workshop and in the show notes. Yay. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Yes. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.